divorce is kind of writing up a 27 page document defining your life for the next 27 you know or 18 years whatever it is um and doing that with someone who you don't get along with and you're ending your relationship is a very difficult task i was working with a new client she says to me like how do i know whose side you're on and i was like there are no sides in divorce the best most successful divorce is two parents who have the most of what they can get they're both happy and the kids are happy but the very important foundation is that you could have an argument and both people could be right and both people could be wrong not necessarily as one right and one wrong um, and taking that approach people feel listened to people feel heard and they really are like I've seen divorce documents set up by mediators and it's absolutely ridiculous like there's no way any of it makes any sense Welcome to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. The podcast where we highlight stories of dads on the other side of divorce. To inspire and give strength to dads going through it. I'm Ben. And I'm Yoel. Welcome back to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. You can find us on twodadtoquit.com, Two Dad to Quit on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We have a YouTube Clips channel. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate the podcast so that we can get our message out to as many people as possible. If you have a story that you want to share, we want to help you share it. So please reach out. Don't be shy. And this week, we are sitting down with Yaakov Kessler. Yaakov is originally from Baltimore and has been living in Israel for the past 18 years. Yaakov is married with five kids and has been involved in divorce mediation. And he has a lot to share on the topic. Yaakov is currently working in the financial department of a medical company in America, but thinking about getting involved in divorce mediation full time because it's something that he's passionate about and he loves doing. So welcome, Yaakov. Uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. So uh, I, I'd like to just, you know, what brought you, you know, halfway around the world um, for the last 20 years? I mean, to be, to be in Israel? Yeah. Well, I, I guess it was classic. Like, I came to Israel... Um, I, you know, after high school and kind of stayed, I just loved it. I felt uh, very connected here. I uh, felt very spiritually connected here. And I realized that's something important to me. And if I wanted to live a more spiritual life, it would, be, it would meant being here. So I stayed and I've been there since. Wow. And where are you now, by the way, for our audience? Because we see a nice background and it's not a... Oh, yeah. We're, this is a I real background. background. <laughs> Uh, this is like the camping trip, the three-day camping trip with the kids that we're doing uh, here at the Kinneret. Wow, looking good. Look, sounds sounds peaceful. I don't know if our audience could hear the the birds chirping in the background. Beautiful weather. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful spot. I, I like to do a lot of trips with my kids, a lot of nature, and just this is actually a gorgeous, gorgeous spot next to the Kinneret. Nice. How old are your kids? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> I got. 12, 11, 8, 4, 5, and 4. Wow, your oldest is 12, going down to yeah. 5 kids from 12. Wow. All right, nice. Yeah. You got your hands full. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I love I love being a dad. And I, I, I love the name of your podcast, like Two Dad to Quit. I just, one, you know, one passionate thing I am about what, what I'm doing is, um, you know, also dealing with dads that are really taking responsibility for their kids. And and um, it's a special thing. You know, it's a really, I would say most people I know, you know, a lot of the trauma comes from the parent figure, you know, the father figure, the baby or the something, you know. And it's such an important role to show and do well. I think it's so special that you guys are um, just taking on this challenge of like being the best dad you could be you want. In challenging situations, appreciate that. How did you How did you get into divorce mediation? Like, what what brought you? You know, being happily married yourself, thank God. So, what what brought you into the divorce mediation world? Um, I I basically I a couple relatives of mine. I helped them uh, get divorced. It was kind of things were kind of stuck and not moving forward, and I kind of just got in there and and uh, just saw it through till the end and i just saw that a lot of you know i guess you know with divorce it's kind of 
writing up a 27 page document defining your life for the next 27 you know or 18 years whatever it is um and doing that with someone who you don't get along with and you're ending your relationship is a very difficult task so i just saw i i natural understanding of people and i just saw, was able to see each person see what their needs were and uh push push it through and then it kind of t- you know took off from there and when you say it was a relative so you know like that first time how were you able were you able i assume you were able as a mediator you've got to be as unbiased as you can obviously human human emotions always play a role and we may have our own uh you know understanding of events or we may see things in a certain way but obviously you know when you're wearing a hat as a mediator you've got to be unbiased so you know i heard you say relative has gotten you started so how do you sort of take off that bias for a family member and, and try and, and remain neutral. I think, I think this is a foundation of divorce. You know, uh, uh, I was working with a new client. She says to me, like, how do I know whose side you're on? Mm. And I was like, there are no sides in divorce. The best, most successful divorce is two parents who have the most of what they can get. They're both happy and the kids are happy. Uh, successful divorce means that it's fair that it's best for both people. Um, one-sided squeeze and, and you force other person to certain things that won't last. You know, it will come up a few years later, something, you know, there'll be, there's always ways to get the other person. A fair divorce is going to be a successful divorce. So it's not about sides. It, it you know, it, it really is about finding the middle ground that makes everyone happy and, and working with that. So did you know both, I guess because you started with family, uh, you knew both parties to start, correct? Yeah. And were they married for a long time? It wasn't like, you know, you just leave them for a year. Like you really were invested in their relationship as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm here in Israel, so it was, I guess, um, you know, I wasn't with them the whole time, but yeah, I, I, I knew both parties for and did they turn to you or you just kind of stepped in and were like, hey, guys, this makes no sense. Let me see what I can do. Yeah, I kind of got involved just as, as a family member just to be helpful. And it was just hearing one side and hearing the other side and hearing the other side and going back and forth um, and, and really being able to see an objective perspective and see what need to, need, you know, needed to be done and was able to successfully um, work it through. And it was very impactful for me. You know, to be able to use my uh, strength of understanding of other people and and um, and also understanding law, you know, what what's enforceable, how exactly you should write it, what's what's necessary to be in the divorce agreement, what isn't, what what has to be worked out, what has to be expressed. Um, it kind of just really s- stuck with me as something which is very in line with my uh, skill set. So it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it. How do you, you know, I was wondering about that, especially, you know, with my other hat as a, as a, an attorney, a licensed attorney anyways, I don't really practice that much anymore, but I definitely did in the past, not as a family lawyer, but not being legally trained, you know, how do you, did you just like educate the heck out of yourself to, to get yourself informed or do you work with attorneys? Like, how do you stay informed about, uh, about the law? So again, I, w- I wouldn't say that I'm, I mean, I think it's a very separate hat to wear. Um, I wouldn't take responsibility for anything with, in regarding the law. Like, obviously, you know, have to consult your lawyer regarding the law. What I mean to say in regards to the laws, as you write a clause in the divorce, having an understanding of how it should be written and what's important to include in it and what's important to fight over is more um, what I meant as opposed to, I'm not actually knowledgeable about like the law. I think a person should have a lawyer that's really a separate, you know, very often I'll say that's something, you know, question for your lawyer. That's not something I could uh, advise you on. Um, but I think the understanding of like the details, you know, someone cares about something, someone's passionate about something, it might not be important to include into the documents. It might be something you have to work out on a social level, just being in touch with other spouse and and being expressive and learning how to not to be triggered and kind of 
you know, moving past that that uh, emotional blockage to have that conversation as opposed to including it in the in divorce agreement. Right. And, and you know, obviously, I, I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword because I, I used to act as a media, more of a community mediator, not in the family context. I mean, there were family elements to it, but it wasn't in, uh, in the divorce context. And uh, I think it is important. I used to advise people, it is important to have your attorneys because there are legal consequences of what you're doing. But I don't know if you found this or if you have any thoughts about this. Sometimes, you know, you also, you not only need two parties to collaborate, which I, I wanted to ask you about. We'll get to that after, hopefully. But leaving that aside, assuming the two parties are willing to try to mediate, you know, you need the lawyers to be on board too, to be cooperative, right? Have you have you experienced this, whether in, in your family mediation work or, you know, from what you've experienced or heard from others, that sometimes the lawyers can do some damage, right? Like you could be coming to terms with it. <laughs> so so how, do you navigate, how do you navigate that? Is there a solution to that? Is there a way of working through that to try and not have the lawyers undo it? Um, I think that's part of the... For me, it's a part of the mission. Listen, I, I, I would even define what I'm doing a little bit more into force support than mediation. You know, mediation kind of um, is more, and generally, is more in the law type of category. And it's like, instead of going back and forth between the lawyers, like we have a conversation. Um, you know, I really try to be much more inclusive in my support. Um, and and when the lawyer got involved and when things happened, I tried to be directly in touch with the lawyer um, and also just advising exactly how to deal with it. And sometimes people expect lawyers to be um, having their best interests and their approach is very helpful at times because it's law-driven, but also very hurtful at times because it's law-driven. And be, is advising them how to how to um, hear what the lawyer is saying in a in a healthy way, and to take the good out of what they're saying, and be empowered to be in control of the situation, because um, ultimately the lawyer works for for the client. You know, um, I try to be supportive in in, in the whole situation. But we definitely had lawyers get in the way. Huh. Right. So I, I'm just trying to figure out, well, like, what's in your background? I, I know we were speaking before the recording that, uh, like, your father is a, is a rabbi. And I know that usually that comes with some sort of personality of listening and advising. Did that have any impact on it? Like, where did you, like, what part of your personality? I don't see many people running to get involved in this kind of a situation, okay. help, you know, like what part of your personality was like, I, know, I think that can help. Like, where did that come from? Listen, I, I, I always was a listener. I was always the type of person uh, that had these conversations where people really opened up to me. And um, I think, I think it just clicked. I think it's just something that happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, it just clicked. It's not something I ever would have, Thought. I mean, I, I thought about going to school, you know, becoming a therapist, but I I didn't ever think about I'm going to be a divorce agent, but or be involved in it. But it's been I re I just, I really really enjoy it. I feel I find it very meaningful. You know, the effect that that I see on families that are doing better, both spouses are blossoming, the kids are doing well, the their parents are co-parenting the kids. It's really meaningful to see. That entire so, I think it just clicked. You know, like growing up, were you also the you know when kids got into a fight, you were you were the one that was like, "Hey, chill out, everybody, let's figure it out." Like any other, that's the right. It it really just just happened. Yeah, it just happened. I don't think I don't remember really being that as a kid. Um, I think you know. No, I think it, I think it just really came 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 out in this uh, in this category. Interesting. And 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 with your kids, you know, I mean, I don't. They're still young, right? But do you find that you do you have to you find you have to sort of implement those that sort of those skills that patience Absolutely. that listening in terms of your hey, maybe maybe that 
that answers your question, but also I think definitely like, first of all, I take my parenting very serious. And, and yes, I, I definitely mediate a lot with my kids. Um, a real nachas moment for me was I was laying down and my, I heard my two youngest fighting and my daughter, um, went over to and just guys, 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 why are we, you know, there's no reason to fight. Come And she took one of the kids aside, come to you. I want you to tell me exactly what happened and what do you need? And she basically just listened to both sides and the fight just stopped because most of the times people need to be listened to. And, and it's definitely something I try to train my kids to listen to what the person's saying, listen to what they need, not just what they're saying. Like, what are they saying that they need? And see how you could be there for them. Um, I definitely, I definitely involve my mediation in my kids a lot, just mediating their quarrels. It really, it's an opportunity to look at the person and see what they need. And uh, I'll give an example of my kids. Like one of my daughters, Shalva, she loves playing together and she, she loves having fun, but she doesn't like get involved when we're cleaning up together. So it gets very contentious. So like I have taught my kids that she likes doing things together. Like just say in a way like, come, let's clean up together. And that teaches them to like be sensitive. This is the other person. This is what they're thinking. This is what they need. And this is how I could interact with them in a way in their language. You know, so my kids will say to her, like, come Shaba, let's clean up together. It's so much fun. And she'll jump in and have a great time. Um, but I think that's definitely something I, I implement very heavy with my children. Hmm. And and what about uh, this is a, maybe a personal question, so <laughs> you feel feel free to answer or not answer. But what about in your own marriage? Like, has your dealing have your dealings with you know in the divorce? Um, uh, what was the word you used? Not mediation, support. Has that influenced or instructed or, or helped you in terms of your your own relationship with your own wife? Sort of seeing how things could fall off the rails and some of the things you have to do to to maintain that relationship, a strong relationship with your wife? Because we all know it's challenging to, you know, keep that bond strong, especially with children and so many responsibilities. Listen, one, one thing I definitely tell divorced couples is that there's no such thing as divorce, meaning people think they get divorced, they walk away, and it's over. No, you're dealing with the person forever, you know? And yeah. it's learning <laughs> yep. the skills. Yeah. And this is something we talked about before. It's learning about the skills that it takes to, to have a successful relationship and it's not easy. And um, I've definitely called out people and said, listen, like, this is what you're doing wrong. Like, this is like, you know, you're approaching it incorrectly and, and showing them that. And that's definitely reflective on myself. I, I think for me, I take more responsibility in my own marriage. Um, not because, like I was saying, that it could fall apart and there's something, but, but seeing how small little nuances of of character, how they could play out in destroying a relationship and being hurtful for the other person has made me more sensitive to being a more sensitive person and working on myself and, and trying to be there in ways for my wife that I never would have thought of without, you know, the, uh... what about, what about with the couples? Let's say, is there something you could think of where you, where you've said to somebody, um, where you've noticed that somebody's taking the wrong approach? Is there something you could think of, uh, not to put you on the spot, but something in that instance, like, you know, in, in the midst of a uh, support that you're doing where you feel like somebody's being unreasonable in a certain way, or they're not listening. Is there something specific that, that comes to mind? Um, just an example off the top of my head. I just, I remember uh, very recently, like one of my clients getting very triggered by his daughter, you know, for being very similar to his wife. And, um, I tried to show him that his his wife is a person who has tremendous strengths, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. But but those strengths are strengths, and his job as a dad is to um, is to take those strengths and harness them for the positive. And his daughter, he's she's our dad. Like so, instead of being reactive to his kid and and um, maybe like you know taking a step back in the relationship because of this trigger like to empower him to be there for his kid and and see the positive attributes in the kid and 
really allow them to harness those cohorts um, to do good. And uh, I think, you know, again, that's very meaningful for me to, again, he's a great guy. He's, he's very receptive to, um, you know, everyone, not everyone is, you know, but he was very receptive to it. And, and it was like I saw immediate change in how he approached the situation. Yeah, nice. That's so interesting because I, I noticed that with my kids as well. Not that I've, I have a, you know, straight A's, 100% success rate, but, you know, obviously there are challenges in interacting, you know, in, in my life with, with my, my kid's mother. And I definitely, you know, there are times where I see a, cer a certain similarity and it's very easy to get triggered. And on the other hand, there are so many things. It's interesting. There are things that I may not appreciate in terms of how a personality, uh, a personality trait affects me vis-a-vis -vis my ex-wife. But when I see to my kids, I could appreciate it. It kind of like what you're saying. I guess I, I subconsciously was kind of implementing what you said, that there are certain things, and also it's a bit personal, so I'm not going to get into specifics. Also, out of out of respect for my kid's mom, but like there are certain things that I find very challenging in my interactions with her, but in my kids, I can really appreciate it. Like you said, maybe, you know, sort of leverage it and, and harness it for the positive. So I you can totally relate to what you're saying. It's uh, very interesting. I never thought of it the way you put it, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Good. Uh, and but uh, oh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Uh, and how are you approached by the husbands, by the wives? Like, who is it? Both? Kind of. It's been both. I'm saying it really it's depends. Mouth? You know. Yeah, it's it's been a word of mouth. You know, I should be like official. Like, uh, I have a website and Instagram you know, for cal calendar meetings. You know, and these stuff or things. I I don't I don't really want it to become like my whole essence, you know, um, but, um, yeah, it's been a word of mouth and I haven't been doing it so much. I just, I, I do feel like it's something that, that I've been having a huge success in and, um, and would like to, to pursue, you know, for doing it in a larger way. Do you, do you think it's, um, you know, this, the saying goes, it takes two to tango and, uh, something I've heard about a lot from, from different people is that, I tried everything like I really wanted to mediate with her or with him or, you know, I really wanted it to be peaceful and it just, you know, it didn't have to be this way. Do you find that, uh, you know, it, you need both sides from the get go to be willing to work together, to collaborate in, the, in that sense, in terms of trying to come to a, a peaceful resolution or could somebody who's initially very um, resistant. Is there a way to sort of bring them on board? You know, do you, do you feel like there's a way to do that? Um, yeah, I think I think that's part of. Well, what I try to do is is it's it's um. You know, we have an idea, of of an aguna, um, and it's a un very unfortunate and painful situation, um, but I think a lot of times we our view is that it's a very malicious intentional thing from the guy's perspective and sorry can you, can you explain for our audience aguna i mean ben and i know but can you explain explain what that means for our audience in jewish divorce person has to, the male has to initiate his divorce so in a situation where the guy is not ready for the divorce um the woman would be in a stuck situation where she couldn't get divorced and move on got it uh, so carry on so, yeah so. so in in those situations what I've tried to do is is tactfully work with whatever means possible um, to work with the non-participating party um, to to engage them in in whatever means possible because it's a it's a very difficult painful situation um, for the girl and um, and again like I said before it's it's also about support it's a very difficult situation and the you know the Jewish community doesn't really have necessarily um, a system where they are actually working with women to like really support them from top to bottom I mean successful getting divorced I mean you have people who are active on social media and and but actually pursuing it to the end you know they don't understand have support and in doing so um, it's also very painful you know the rabbis of the based in our necessarily that's not really their job. Their job is to is to facilitate the actual halach divorce, but it 
it's a very hurtful situation. And I, and I, I try to engage um, the unparticipating party in whatever means possible to try to get them on board. And I've been successful with that as well. Um, again, I think the, my approach is always, there's always two good people with two good sides of the story. And that has to be true. You know, a, a very important foundation is that you could have an argument and both people could be right and both people could be wrong, not necessarily as one right and one wrong. Um, and taking that approach, people feel listened to, people feel heard, and they really are, because I, I really um, stay objective and I, and, and I think it's about finding what each person needs and, and working and working with that. And and it's um, the whole topic of Aguna, it's a very explosive topic, so I kind of, you know, I, I want to be gentle about it. Uh, people are very passionate about it. Uh, but as you said, a lot of times it's very, it's it's not always, it's, it's not, there's no justification, let's just say, in terms of certain actions that, that are taken sometimes, right? There are definitely, there are definitely, I'm sure, cases where there are men that that will use that as as a leverage or something like that. So I'm I'm not talking about those black and white cases. But at at the at the process of divorce, I'm not talking about you know when something's been going on for ten years or whatever. I would it be fair to say that there are men who have a sort of fear as well that as they're trying to work through the the painful process on their end, there's this fear that they're going to be instantly labeled or called out or anything like that as they're trying to preserve their interests in the negotiation of the end of the divorce. Does that make sense? Like, you know, do you ever find that? Yeah, it definitely happens. Um, you know, it is, it is a very hot topic and, and I think people's approach to divorce very often is okay. It's not working out. Like just get divorced. Um, but it's not simple. Like, you know, it's, it, it is, Again, I think it's a different category. The halachic divorce is really a different category than right. than a civil divorce. That halachic divorce doesn't require any stipulation of what do we do with the kids, what do we do with the assets, what do, what do we do with, you know, there's so many details. I'm sure many of your listeners know there's so many details that need to be worked out and taken care of. Who pays for that? Who takes that? What time you drop off the kids? What happens when there's a, you know, all these details are not required for the, you know, halakhic divorce. And, and I've, very often the guys are like, wait, wait, just one second. Like, what, 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 like what's happening? And, and quickly it becomes a lot of pressure to, to, you know, just get divorced um, when there isn't necessarily something in place for what the next step is after Right. In other words, like, I, I, I could totally, you know, again, I, I totally understand the, the Aguna concern. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to not understand that concern. You know, maybe that's a bit strongly worded, but I totally get it. But I, I, I do think that at least from the perspective of a man of, of the fears of what happens next is also a legitimate fear, right? In, in other words, like, you know, there are cases where men find themselves without any sort of you know, without anything. And it's, it's also complicated in that respect because they, they sort of don't know how to approach, they don't know how to approach um, this peaceful resolution without feeling that, that, that squeeze type of thing. That's all I'm saying. So like for our audience, there's no, I'm not talking about justifying, uh, um, you know, the whole idea of not doing the halachic yet or anything like that. I'm, I'm just talking from the aspect of working with both parties to understand their needs, like you were saying, to be sensitive yeah. to that as well, as opposed to like holding it over one person or anything like that. Because I think a lot of yeah. people could feel that. I, I, I tried to bring things out in, you know, which are not being discussed as well. Like I'll, I'll sense from someone like there's something bothering them and I'll say like, let's stop. What's bothering you? And like, you, know, you have guys that, let's say, you know, they, their approach to marriage was always being accommodating. I'll just give in. I'll give her what she needs, and you know that might be the reason why it wasn't a successful marriage. She might need someone who's more in control. And I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong, but 
especially in the divorce, um, he might take the approach of like, you know, I'll give her what she wants, I'll give her what she wants, whatever she wants. And then there's not this sense of like, hey, what's best for your kids? You want to do what's best for your kids. And I'll try, you know, I'll try to engage the guy into, into, until overcoming that challenge and, and seeing his own needs and want to express his own needs and see, you know, exactly what he wants. Listen, I try, I try to take the approach not to define what's right and what's wrong. Um, I could definitely hear that someone not getting a get, regardless of any stipulation, whatever, or if nothing's worked out, is is wrong. I try not to focus on what's right and what's wrong. I just, what's the next step and how do we successfully move forward? So just tell me what you need and and let's hear how we can accommodate there and move on, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've had a, we've had a number of guests talked about the idea of, you know, and you said it before at the outset that disagreement, uh, whether it's an agreement that's agreed upon or, or imposed by the court ultimately is going to be dictating the terms of the arrangement for the next, however long until each, until the last child turns, uh, turns 18 or, or whatever the stipulation is. And there are a lot of guests that we've had on that said like, now is the time that you've got to make sure you're also asserting, asserting yourself. Cause I think that is a, that is a mistake that, that, that many people make on both sides, both men and women, where, you know, a woman may just be exasperated. She may be scared, for example, that she's not going to get her, you know, halachic um, divorce. And that, that may play a role in her not asserting herself, for example, because she may be. Right. And on the other side, there may be a man who's, um, who's sort of, you know, he doesn't want to put his kids through something that he went through, for example, or I don't want to, you know, I want to be the, the peacemaker and I want to be seen as the good guy, but but then he pays the price for the next 15 years. So, uh, yeah, I can... Not, not only him, everyone. Everyone. Again, that's why I, I try to work with each client, not just what they're saying, but really being sensitive to like little things that show me that there's something going on here to really empower them to speak out exactly what they need. Um, and once they do that, much easier to make a deal which will last for a long time and, and be a successful divorce because you know when you push things on under the under the carpet they come out like you know they do so it's definitely helpful and how long is there like a an average of how long it takes you to do this process um, definitely longer than people think it should take. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sort of therapy, sort of mediation. I can tell you my mediator was not that route. And it was, at some point she said she doesn't deal with conflict. And it got pretty dicey after that. Um, yeah, I would, I would that, jump right in. Right. That's what I'm saying. It sounds like you have the opposite, which would have been very helpful. Um, and so, right. So some people think that's what I was saying before. Gen general mediation, like I was saying before, is that it's kind of in the category of law. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, this or that, what, what do you prefer? But like I've seen divorce documents set up by mediators and it's absolutely ridiculous. Like there's no way any of it makes any sense, you know? for a long-term solution. Um, so I just, I think it's about the approach of really seeing what each person needs and, and getting into those conflicts. Like that's so important. You're setting up the next 18 years of your life. Like that has to be unwound. Like, let me hear what you have to say. Let me hear what you really, really, really need. And, and let me express that to her and let me hear what she really, really needs and what her needs are. And let me express that to you and let's find the middle ground that both people are comfortable with and, and that's best for both parents and best for kids. Mm. Or, or, or both people are not, you know, super comfortable with, but will live with. And we used to say that in law. I mean, again, maybe it's different than what you do, but in law, we used to say a good settlement is one where both sides are walking away a little unhappy. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, that often I assume is the case as well, right? Nobody's going to say I I try to go a little deeper to, to, to allow decides to really understand the other person and appreciate the other person and appreciate the person's needs 
And very often, when people don't feel like they're being heard and their needs are being met, um, so you know they they kind of over overly express their own needs, and then they can't really hear the other person. So if we get to a point where they could each hear each other's needs and appreciate it, so like they really are fine with, then I wouldn't even say it's a little unhappy. People are happy to give this to the other person and and accommodate. That's my goal. Not always. Well, I mean, this may be outside of, you know, because, you know, a lot of times you're working, you know, thanks to your efforts or thanks to the parties or both, you're working with people that are somewhat receptive. But, you know, would would you have any advice for somebody who says that, who's, who feels that he or she is more willing to be receptive, but the other person on the other side, they're just steamrollers. They just want to dictate. They just want to dominate. Um you know, and there's nothing to work with there. Is there anything, you know, that that you would say to that person in terms of how to, you know, in other words, it may not be in the realm of coming to a, a, a peaceful resolution, but just in life in terms of how to, how, how do you deal with such a person, you know, because you talked about how you're a listener and whatnot. Like, how do you deal with somebody who you feel is is completely on the opposite side of the spectrum of what, you know, of, of what your values are? I think, I think it's a valid personality. I think there's, tremendous um strength in that type of personality those people are very successful um they get a lot done and and i think i think it's a it's it's a valid personality and i think it's about understanding and accepting that um it could be very helpful in a marriage that type of personality if it didn't work out with you you know it's about accepting the other person and and recognizing their strengths and and finding a way to work with that strength to both people's advantage, you know, if it's maybe an example would be like, you know, certain, let's say registering the kids in school is a difficult thing for her to do when he's a steamroller. Great. Let's have him do with that. And put that in the agreement that he's going to take care of those things. He just gets stuff done. Using that as an, you know, as using their personality to, to both people's advantage, every single person, um, you know, even if they're not like me or should be appreciated and 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 I think when you approach things like that then people feel like they want to do and they want to get and they want to engage so yeah I mean I I hear that from the I I totally hear that from the side of looking at at the the positive of it but you you may have a case where the agreement says that you know both parents have to agree on a certain school. And then one parent is like, this is the school we're going to send, you know, this, our kid to. And the other parent is like, well, wait a second, let's discuss this and work this through and come to a resolution because I don't want to send to this school. I know you want to send to this one and let's come to a resolution. And the other parent, and this happens a lot, by the way, the other parent is like, no, I, this is what we're going to do. So in other words, like it sounds good in theory to, you know, to look at the positive a- attribute, but a lot of times it can lead to some to to a stuck situation um, because that parent is just only sees a dominating a dominating way. You know what I mean? And it, and it makes things very difficult. <laughs> is what I'm trying. To again, I think I think I think here here there's two elements of things. There's that's what I was, you know, there's the law element. Like, is that legally acceptable? If the if the agreement says they have to decide together so you can't change the school without consent. Well, that's what I was going to say. Out. Sorry to cut you off, but that's what I was going to say because the parent who feels less, not the dominating personality, doesn't want to just give up on everything. You know, they're not just going to say like, yeah, do what you want, do what you want all the time. Like I heard one one person, I heard one person give over that advice to somebody like, just do whatever she wants. In this case, it was, you know, the woman that was the dominating one. I'm not saying it's always the case. But it was like just do whatever she wants, and I don't. As you were saying before, I don't think that's healthy either, right? For the guy to just always be giving in, or the woman always to be giving in to the guy, you know, and just not asserting his or her rights, right? right. That's so the, yeah. again, so that's what I'm saying. Besides the law part of, there's also the emotional part of it, and and again, what I would try to do in this situation is is coach the non-dominant party, just express what you what your needs are. I'm sure in their marriage. It was a big part of what failed in the marriage. She was where he was dominating, and the other 
just giving in and not feeling comfortable about it. I'm building resentment and distancing themselves from the relationship and and recognizing that's what's happening, being aware of that's what's happening. And then, you know, sometimes people approach when they feel threatened like that is to get very aggressive. No, mm. don't be aggressive. Just express what your needs are and say, this is unacceptable. If we need to go to court, we'll have to go to court, but I can't have that. my kid go to that school. Um, it's not something I want, you know, just expressing that in a calm, collective way. You're just defending your rights and defending this, the, the agreement. So it, I, I think it, there's a lot of coaching of that party of just be, to be able to get past those, those, uh, those emotional elements to the, mm. the divorce or marriage or rich holding. And the, so uh, there's also a, a thing called a parental coordinator. Are you familiar with that? That's no. like, so I guess post-divorce, there's this, I guess, if the parties still are having issues trying to figure stuff out, the court may send a couple to a parental coordinator, uh, which basically is hearing both sides, but they have the interests of the children in mind. Um, so just listening to the way you work and, and why you enjoy this work, that may be something that you also may want to look into. Um, I don't know if it's, yeah, I, I, I really, clue, not, not clue. It's been, uh, it sounds like something that you may also excel at, um, that you should definitely look into. Great. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been involved, you know, post-divorce as well. Just things come up, you know. And, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard situation. Um, and and things come up, so it definitely doesn't stop at, you know, signing documents. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it sounds like you're very good at, you know, earning a couple's support uh, and trust. Right. So if you didn't have their trust, I don't think you'd be successful. Mm. And, and once you have that, then, you know, if there's anything they disagree on, you are that person that can be the middle, uh, you know, yeah. much like a good therapist. But, you know, post-divorce therapies for a couple is not the usual thing. <laughs> is that, does it sound, does it sound about right? Boring. Yeah, listen, I, I I think it's very important not to decide anything. I try to be a middle ground of communication between the two. I think there's a lot of triggers. There's a lot of, you know, it was the marriage was unsuccessful, so you're trying to work out, you know, these nuances of camp or summer plans or how to divide the summer vacation. Um, things can get uh, heated, and if they're just communicated the right way, it could go really smooth and be really successful. Yeah, and I could speak in terms of trust. I mean, I met Yaakov at a barbecue, <laughs> and uh, I instantly felt like a rapport with him. You know, Ben, like I, so Yaakov, like I, I definitely think you have that energy and charisma because I instantly, you know, we had just met and we just had a great conversation right off the bat. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with Ben. You definitely have a, a lot of talents that can be expanded in that area. Um, this is kind of unrelated, but it just popped into my head. I mean, you know, you're you live in a community that's mostly, you know, thank God, very, you know, couple, couples, families, right? I, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't strike me that there's a lot of singles or any, right? For, for example, versus where I live in the area of Jerusalem, where I live, there's a lot of singles. And I'm wondering if you've, because of the work you've done, are you more sensitive, do you find, or conscious of, like, have there been situations where you've had couples, friends, and there's been a divorce and, um, you know, you've had to sort of navigate, you know, continuing that friendship. Um, have you had those situations or are you more mindful of that? Because I can tell you like a very, uh, at least for me and for many, for, for many guys that I speak to, a very difficult part of the divorce process is not only the divorce from the, the spouse, it's also the divorce from the friends, you know, especially in the, the Jewish community where a lot of the friends are very couples oriented and you have people over for the Sabbath, for, a, for Sabbath dinner, Sabbath lunch. And all of a sudden that's gone. Um, you know, some people carry on as it were, but some people, you know, change their lives completely. They move out, they move out of the neighborhood. 
Is that something you've experienced in terms of people that have gotten divorced, friends, and you've tried to be mindful of that, or it's it's not really something you've you've dealt with? Well, not not something I've dealt with out, out of my work, but I think within my work, it's something I try to be very conscious of is 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 maintaining good relationships with the surrounding peripheral relationships within the marriage. Um, like, there's no reason for grandparents not to be connected to their, you know, ex-son-in-law or whatever. It's not, I think a lot of people take the approach of, like, whose side are And it's not really about that. The best, you know, what's best for for the kids. And very often, it's just important for people to look past what happened. It didn't work out. It's okay. And and to maintain those relationships as much as possible because I think relationships build the surrounding secure environment for the kids and um, there's no reason to do that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's... Unless that's, there is. No, no, no. Sorry, what'd you say? I said, unless there is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's a good segue and Ben will, could probably knock me for this after for asking this question based on some private discussions we've had o- offline, but... You know, you, you mentioned, you know, the whole idea of in-laws and there's no reason um, to not still be in touch. And unfortunately, um, un- in many cases, when uh, a woman or a man decide to divorce, um, people unfortunately do kind of circle the wagons and decide, like, the only way to support our daughter or to support our son is to completely cut off uh, all communications. And um, it is unfortunate. And I'm wondering... You know, do you feel, and I'm going to ask a question, which answer I may or may not agree with. So I'm doing this for Ben's sake because he doesn't want me to censor myself. So do you feel that the in-laws can potentially play a role or are they too emotionally attached? Like, let's say, you know, let's say a daughter comes to their parent and their parents and says, like, I'm having these marital difficulties. I think I want to end it. Do you think there's a role that the in-laws could play to try and see if um, maybe there's something they can do to to help, uh, to help the situation, to get involved, you know, either, you know, to see if they could sort of, you know, be involved to save the marriage, so to speak. I know that sounds very simple, simplistic and juvenile, but it's the best way I could put it. Or if things are going to end, to be involved to sort of uh, help with as peaceful a resolution as possible. Or do you feel like that's just too difficult for a parent to get involved or it's too emotional for them to deal with their child in that way? That's a great question. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, it depends on the situation. Every parent's going to be different. Uh, again, I find that parents have a very difficult time. With it. It's a very uh, difficult subject. And like you said, I think a lot of parents feel that their support is by being on their child's side, which means cutting off relationships with their ex-spouse, ex-in-law, or son-in-law, da-da-da-da-da. And I think, I think you have to have a strong balance between, you know, being involved could be very hurtful for the marriage. I think in general, in-laws being involved with their kids' marriages could be very hurtful. At the same time, you know, you don't have to run away and finding that place where, you know, you could be supportive in a, in a positive way. So I guess to answer the question, I think it's a very dependent on the parent and the relationship and uh, and what could be done in a non-hurtful way. Or, 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 you know, so that's to be balanced, sensitive to the balance of the relationship to understand what you could and do there. So... Besides, I think it's important. I think people feel like divorce is, is such a bad thing. Um, I think I think sometimes that notion in itself is very hard and makes it very difficult. And I think it's important to feel like it's okay. You know, it didn't work out. This is the new situation. And how do I make the best of it? Afterwards, an important approach towards moving on is, you know, is uh, being okay with the or accept or accepting it, accepting that this is reality, and what what yeah. what now, and how do we exactly? Yeah, how do we how do we maximize where we're at today? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what your podcast is a little bit about. Is that hey, now we have a role to fill, 
in a, in a stronger way than ever before is that I have a job to be a dad. How am I going to do that? Mm. And uh, speaking of dad jobs, this is the Two Dad to Quit um, podcast. So we do uh, ask all of our guests to share a Two Dad to Quit moment, a moment where you were the proudest of your kids. You think about that moment and your your face lights up and, uh, you know, it could be a small thing, could be a big thing. If you could share with our audience one of those moments. Um, I, I, I'm getting stuck in that, what I shared before about my daughter, like just that moment where she was, you know, in a situation where she was practicing that mediation on my, on the two younger kids, just really, I really felt like um, impactful of her really receiving my message and implementing in her own life. Um, it was something very special. Nice. And I know, I know we've, we've had a lot of advice and a lot of tips and this was a very deep discussion. Um, but if you have, uh, something, some advice, some tips, and anybody who's going through divorce, thinking about getting divorced, um, that you would give them, uh, to help them through it, to help them have clarity if it's the right thing to do. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Um, I think. You know, it's very hard for me to, you know, people, you know, advise someone if they should get divorced, not get divorced. I can't make that for some decision for someone. But I think if that's something you're considering doing, um, I think it's super important to have support and and make sure you reach out to friends, family, and are ex you're expressive the whole way through. The need for support. It's a very difficult situation, and people will be there for you. Just reach out to people and, and try to surround yourself with people that could support you too. Well, amazing. Very true. Well, thank you, Yakov. We thank you, Yaakov. really appreciate your time. Thank you, time out yeah, This was great. Yeah. Um, it's very important go, to me. I think. Yeah. I think it's something I'm very passionate about. So. Yeah, I saw that when we met. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you joined. It's great. It was great to have you on. Thank you, man. And on vacation. Now you can I'm, I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> I was in I was in full vacation mode, not checking my calendar. No. All right, great. Well, go back go back to that now. You go enjoy the family. Well, before you run away, uh, this has been the Two Dad to Quit podcast. Uh, you can find us on twodadtoquit.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Opinions. Some or all of these views and opinions may not be shared by Ben and or yo. Thank you for listening to the Two Dad to Quit podcast. Available at twodadtoquit.com. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.